This is Home Page Radio. My name is Duo Dickinson. I'm an architect, and I've been dealing with homes really for the last 40 years of my life. And this program comes on the last Thursday of every month on WPKN Radio to talk about perhaps the most singular reality of human beings that distinguishes us from other animals besides wearing clothing. We all have homes. We have a place to live, whether it's rented or owned or the backseat of our car. We all sleep somewhere. And Homepage Radio deals with that. And in dealing with Homepage Radio, we are blessed to have Rod Richardson in the studio. Rod, how are you? I am fine. How are you, Duo? Well, I'm in Madison, Connecticut, in my office for, I think, the sixth straight show, because we're not literally killing each other. Yes, and, thank goodness for that. And I'm wondering how you, the, the radio station is doing. What is up with WPKN in the sixth month of COVID? Uh, we continue to broadcast. Uh, some people are coming in uh, and taking you know precautions when they do that. Others are pre-recording, and we're putting them on the air. But uh, we've got uh, continuity, no interruptions to our broadcasts. Um, you know, we're here for everybody, and, and we're, we're, we're going to stay that way. So uh, I have to say that uh, we're resilient and we're optimistic. <laughs> now, just, just because this is what this show is about in a way, have you found that your life, besides the usual normal, you know, it's it painful, sequestering, the normal stuff you've heard a million times, have you found your life changing in deeper and more thoughtful ways, or is it just you're just coping and muddling through? I think a lot about the nature of reality as I drive mm-hmm. back and forth on the uh, relatively empty uh, parkway most of the mm. time. Um, you know, it, you, you can't feel some. I mean, you, you know, you're going to feel something about all this. And, and, you know, frankly, it's like, why is everything so messed up is the ongoing thought. And, and the fact that we have to uh, also fight really hard just to stay in place, you know, in terms of like home maintenance, for example. Oh, my gosh, yeah. You know, like I had to buy a chainsaw since the last show that uh, we did here. Yep. Um, because, you know, the storm came, which actually I didn't have much going on there. And then a week later, uh, a limb came down and blocked my driveway, and I was like, oh, now I have to buy a chainsaw when all the chainsaws have already been purchased. And, you know, and also, I have to learn how to use a chainsaw. And, and, and as soon as I get home with it, in the, and I'm in my driveway with a neighbor whose house got hit by the same tree twice as both li- two limbs dropped separately and, and damaged her roof, uh, she says to me, you know, I just got to warn you because you're a boy, be careful. And, and I said to her, well, I've had a long and happy life thus far. Uh, I didn't tell her I'd never used a chainsaw before, but ultimately uh, I was safe and I accomplished the job I needed to accomplish and, and all was good. But, you know, you start to think about, you know, the safety of your home, whether or not oh, yeah. it, it offers enough protection against the elements. And, you know, as we're, uh, you know, doing this broadcast, of course, uh, Hurricane Laura is, uh, you know, hitting um, hitting Texas, you know, Texas and, and, yeah. and, and in a really powerful and devastating way. And, you know, people, and, and you know, likewise, the fires in California where people are losing the, everything yeah. in their life, all their material possessions just disappear in, in the fires. And I, I heard of a, a, a woman whose uh, life of, of art that she's created, all these drawings and paintings she's made, mm. are, are gone because the fire just <laughs> took it all out. That's bad. And so... You know, you hear about these things, and we're all living under this threat of COVID. The sense of safety is is really reduced, you know. And then, of course, some people are just piling on to actually enhance the panic, which is, you know, kind of annoying because that's that's not helpful, you know. It really isn't because even in spite of all the destruction, there's always the opportunity for renewal and, and making things better than they are at the moment. And I think that's a great segue to what this this show is about. It's essentially about real estate and the home now. And, you know, Connecticut was, is built in the back of endless housing development as it became a bedroom community for uh, largely for New York. And also as farms failed, you know, people built homes in the middle class after World War II just sprouted buildings that we lived in like a new crop across the landscape. And that, that incredible amount of development that happened through Connecticut and Long Island, really the, 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 the belly of uh, WPKN's listener base, that development that happened has had incredible and bizarre and frequent boom-bust cycles. 
I mean, you think about it, you know, I am 65 this week. You know, I've lived through the gas crisis, the Reagan boom, the SNL crisis, the Clinton economy, the tech bubble, 9-11, the housing bubble, the 2008 crash after the housing bubble, the Obama recovery, and now COVID-19. And what this show is about really is that on the front lines of making homes, which a lot of my personal life is about, but everybody's life is embedded in, is about really what seems to be developing is a local Connecticut, maybe it's just suburban, in the country, housing boom. Because what Rod was just talking about, the sense of lessened safety, has meant that the dangers of density, the dangers of living with a lot of other people and traveling to get to work with a lot of other people, the idea that other people and the contact with other people is actually not just a great, wonderful thing to stay in touch with people. It's also kind of a scary thing because you could get sick or they could get you sick. And this weird economy that was so terrifying in March as a, as a place where any number of businesses will have and will close and any number of people have gotten sick and died, where it's a terrible, awful thing for so many people and uncontrollable, what's happened is it's had a weird resonance in this local real estate market. I mean, The Real Deal, which is a real estate blog, basically said there's a wave of New York buyers in May coming into here. The Connecticut Examiner says in May, the Connecticut rebounds sharply, and that's after it never really recovered from 2008. And and WTIC said in June, it's time to buy. And the Connecticut Post said at the same time, they've never seen anything like it. This is a strange time. And what's really weird is that there's no data per se. Of course, they say that that sales rates are up and prices are up. But really, it's so early in all of this that really is a show of anecdotes that there are stories being told and the actual stats are being compiled, but there really isn't anything other than a contrarian paradise where once bedroom community was almost now, was almost a denigrating and depressing thing for home sales, those sales seem to be exploding because in a pandemic, it's good to have four walls and land around you and it is good to be able to be easily separated. So this is a show about anecdotal information. We are really in the middle of a radical change in Connecticut. We're really set between New York and Boston. We are the kind of soft underbelly of, the, the, of New England. Um, and as an architect, I can tell you, we've had a flurry of new homes being asked to be built for people. And right here in Madison, project that just started that was you know started with hope and and even fear you know years ago was going to come to fruition in this in this summer and it has nine little houses in it and seven of them sold in four days seven sold in four days that anecdotal response meaning that personal experience as wow people are really bidding on things is really what i'd like to deal with today because we really don't know what the history of this will be other than these anecdotes yet we don't know the trends and we really don't know the future but when we listen to people we listen to how what's going on we can actually begin to understand what the essential elements are to those who are contemplating their future in their homes as Connecticut the Connecticut Post said Recently, the prices have climbed to a record. So we'll talk to people that are at the front lines of buying and selling homes all throughout Connecticut, and they should give us some clarity. Four real estate professionals will be joining us, and when we come back, we'll be talking to Lee Whiteman of Guilford. Join us on Homepage Radio.
Welcome back to Homepage Radio. My name is Duo Dickinson. This is WPKN 89.5 on your FM dial. It's also streaming, of course, at www.wpkn. All of these programs and many, many, many others on WPKN become podcasts, so you can listen to a lot of shows. And also, what I beg you to do is to really look through the WPKN website because there are enormous opportunities for your participation in this beautiful and incredible radio station that does so much in the community but also in terms of our culture so do take a look at the at uh, the WPKN website you know back in March Ken Goslin a real real estate architecture expert who writes for the Hartford Current um, as I do sometimes said pretty starkly Connecticut housing is headed for a slowdown it was at the advent of the crash of the COVID impact on our economy and it was reasonable to assume it was very reasonable to assume that that crash would take housing which was never in a happy clappy uh, time since the 2008 bust but take it and really suppress it and really make people question the value of their homes but that seems not to be true and on the line with me now is Lee Whiteman. He was a real estate broker, and she's the queen, the king, the, the leader, the ruler, the czarina of the Whiteman team. Hello, Lee. Hello, Duo. And you're at William Ravis Real Estate in Guilford, and you've been selling, you and your family have been doing this for, I think you told me, over 40 years? Well, no, at this point it's almost 80 years. <laughs> yes, it is over 40. <laughs> I'm almost 40. But, I'm uh, almost 80. Yeah. Oh, yeah, God. So it's, no, I mean 40 years. So, uh, yeah, we, I've been selling since 88, but my family, uh, my great-great-uncle was selling real estate in Guilford back in the 30s. And you've been selling real estate since 88, it says here. Yeah. And, and so just on, a, on almost a personal note, a truly a personal note, how have you been dealing with the last five and a half months. Tell, tell me about how your life has changed, and then let's talk about real estate. Okay, well, kind of in a nutshell. So, um, the uh, on uh, the middle of March, things shut down, and everybody was a little bit like deer in headlights, what do we do now? Um, fortunately, my company is practically gone paperless already, mm. so we were able to be very nimble in terms of um, processing and communicating and getting things signed. So for about a, about two weeks, it was very quiet, and we were all spending a lot of time trying to figure out uh, how to show houses without becoming infected and keeping our clients safe and all of that. And then at the beginning of April, um, we started selling houses, and we as we watched the daily hot sheet, which we would watch probably on the hour, um, mm. smaller houses and condominiums were just flying off the shelf, hmm. and uh, so all of a sudden you had to you had to step up and get going because we were watching this, and it turns out these were in fact people who were getting out of New York, right. and um, not very much after that, local people started to recognize that hey, they had to um, step up or miss the boat. And what was the very low, low interest rates? All right. of a sudden, we had a we had a market that was going crazy. Yep. And um, I think the biggest change for me is um, I've made a commitment to show every one of my listings. So I stopped using lockboxes, and mm. the reason is I wanted to confirm that people had on masks, wore gloves. Right. Some of my cl- seller clients wanted people to use booties. Um, just to keep things clean, and um, so that's that's what's been happening. So it has just gone. I think I've worked harder in the past um, past five months um, than in the past twenty years. It's just been a lot of a lot of work with a lot of a uh, lot of people um, getting houses that they want. In all of this, in all of this hubbub, have you seen the 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 nature that the, the the demographic, the the motivations and hopes of the buyers and sellers change. Could you just talk about any changes you've seen in who is buying and who is selling? Um, um, I'll talk about the the buyers first. Um, again, uh, here on the shoreline east of New Haven, 
there's a little joke that, you know, people would say, my house is wonderful, get me a New York buyer. And, um, you know, of course that would happen from time to time, but we've got an awful lot of people who are, who are coming and finding, um, I would say, homes that are second homes and that are maturing into full-time homes. Um, mm. People are, are still looking for, uh, the buyers are still looking for um, houses that are uh, in good condition and um, that, are, that are priced well. Now, the sellers are, are saying, hey, I'm, uh, I'm in the catbird seat here. There are mm. more buyers than there are properties for them to buy. Right. But the thing I've been very pleased about is that um, the pricing is still it, it's still reasonable. Where in the past you might price something and give twenty five thousand dollars over for negotiating room. Now right. uh, people are coming in with full price, sometimes multiple, oftentimes multiple offers, and the prices are going above asking. But that's you, not wholesale. It's not happening you, for everybody. If the yeah. house is not priced well to begin with. If it's not in good condition, um, buyers are not they're not buying that. They're, well, you, they you really just took, want you to actually know. you actually took the, 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 the my thought out of my brain and put it out there. Given that, given the fact that it's uh, a, a, a buying situation or a selling situation where condition and also price is still front and center, do you think this qualifies as a boom of irrational buying, or do you think it's different? Did you say irrational buying? Yeah, I did. Like, remember the eighties? No, we have no. to buy this because it's going. Yeah. It's going. The price is going to go crazy. Or, or two thousand one to two thousand seven. You know, it's it's not that. It's not people um, in a frenzy. Mm-hmm. I think the. Um, so I think that there is actually some control uh, over this, and I think that the uh, the buyers are frustrated because there's in their. I'll be quoting somebody I was working with yesterday, saying, "If I do, if I'm not the first person through the door, I don't have a chance. Right. And even if I am, the seller is going to want to wait until there's more offers. Right. Um, so that's their frustration. But people are not spending hundreds of thousands of dollars over the uh, the right. asking price. Um, so, you know, so I would not call it I would not call it a boom because I no. don't think it's irrational." I like it. I like it. That th- this is the sort of thing that I'm, I'm trying to get from people because the truth is, if you look at it from the outside, you could say, "Oh, wow, what a, what a boom!" But I don't. I agree with you. I'm, I'm not sure that it is. Do you see, in following up on that as a last question, what do you see as as the direction? Is this going to peter out? Is it going to build? What do you think? Oh boy, the crystal ball is is foggy. Um, so much depends on things that we don't have control over. You know what is happening with the pandemic. What is happening with a vaccine? Um, right. What's happening with people who've lost their jobs and um, get to the point, maybe not for six months, maybe not for a year, and they right. can't afford their house? All of all of those unknowns are uh, are going to affect what happens next. So I just think people need to keep their keep their lid on, be reasonable, make sure that the house that they're buying is uh, is the right one for them. And uh, people, I think, who are selling need to know where they're going. They don't need yeah. to uh, just say, hey, it's a great opportunity for me to sell my house, because my question always is, and then what? Yeah. Where are you going? What are you going to be doing? It's great to have you on the show again, Lee. Thank you so much for joining well, I us. I love talking with you, Duo. I love talking with you. Yeah, we we got to get together. Thank you so much for, for being on the show. And when we come back, we're going to be talking to another person who's had enormous experience dealing with selling homes in in central connecticut for a long time todd gould and he's on the madison side of things but he's also just been around a long time in terms of development his family and his perspective i think will be an interesting one so when we come back on homepage radio todd gould
Welcome back to Homepage Radio. This is Duo Dickinson. Every month on Homepage Radio and WPKN, we talk about the home, which is this very universal reality in the human condition, but it's also exquisitely and fully idiosyncratic. Almost as a metaphor for that, you know, the country has got this huge, the world, not the country, the world has this huge condition, which is we're all in a pandemic, which has changed every way that we live and think about everything, really for the first time in a hundred years. And that that change, that huge change, has been universal, but its impacts are deeply and exquisitely personal, where people lose loved ones or can't see loved ones or lose jobs. And in Connecticut, oddly, it has meant that those in the larger cities around us may be coming to us as a way to stay safe. That's what seems to be true. And it also seems to be true that's not happening other places. In July, the Washington Post said that Maryland's real estate market is really shrouded in uncertainty and not really knowing if there will be a increase or decrease in value in what was a pretty hot market down around the District of Columbia. Well, some of you have seen a lot of markets. Is Todd Gould. Hi, Todd. Hello there, Duo. Thanks. Todd Thank has lived in Connecticut his, really his entire life and is, is somebody that's been a broker and a manager and an owner of real estate agencies for 27 years. And your family's been involved in real estate for how many years, Todd? Uh, about the same as Lee. I think about 1934, I believe. <laughs> oh, <laughs> a few years back. 90 years. So so I asked Lee, and I will ask you, tell me personally, kind of, how did this first, this, this COVID period go for you? Well, it was interesting because my, my wife and I uh, hike if we're not at work and we're outside. And I distinctly remember us walking in the woods, being outside and talking about this COVID thing and where did we think it was going to go and of course at the time it wasn't going to go very far it'll be (laughs) interesting to watch and obviously it evolved till we got to mid-March when everything sort of started to shut down in every way shape or form and that was the real estate too. Uh, March and the next month were as slow as it could be. Yeah. And then how did it change for you? What, what, what cha- did your attitude change or did the business change or both? Um, well, I've always been a positive man, man as, as you well know. Yep. Um, my life hasn't really changed. Uh, the, the real estate industry is a lot. You don't go into an office. It's not a five-day-a-week uh, job. So, um, you know, we work from... Our phones, we work from our laptops, where we're a lot of times at home, the offices were closed and stuff like, like, like that. So my, my own life, yes, I could get on and, and do uh, the offers and all that. The showings were a little bit on the, let's say, strange side to start with because I would go open up a house that I have for sale uh, with gloves on and mask, turn on the lights, open the closet doors ajar a little bit, perhaps, so people don't have to touch it. And then I would step out, and I'd let mm. them go in at their own pace and then be outside to answer the uh, the uh, things, things that they may want to know. And uh, that was so unlike my usual life of being on site and pointing out the pros and cons and hearing concerns on site so I could address them. So it, it, it was a strange world. It obviously is coming back in, in a large way. But, you know, we all have to evolve, whether it's home inspectors, whether it's appraisers, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. So, so what do you think in this very limited data file that we've just been accumulating, this little bit of this little small yep. sample, are what are buyers looking for and what are sellers looking for? Well, I think the buyers are honestly looking for whatever they can afford. I mm. mean, with the rental rates going up even more, 
and the interest rates for mortgages as low as I've ever seen. Uh, they want to get out of Dodge, wherever Dodge is, mm. and, and they want to come here and buy. So the inexpensive con, uh, con, condos where you have low cost to buy, low cost to maintain, no yard work, perhaps more time to enjoy the outdoors is hot, but then you get to the high-end estates where the location and views might be enough for people to enjoy. Mm. Uh, Swimming pools, of course, help at this time to entertain the kids. It's really across the board as far as the buyers out there. You know, there's the low end and there's the high end, but they are buying. Right. And as far as the sellers... What Lee was saying was that she didn't see the huge irrational explosion in pricing. Do you find the same thing, or do you find the pricing changing? Uh, the pricing is certainly up, and as you mentioned, it's hard right now. The facts of closed sales are, are, are out more and more each day, each week. So mm-hmm. we are starting to grab a handle, but I agree that there's not enough real facts to uh, say, oh, it's up X or Y. But that being said, uh, you know, an example is I was going to list a condo and, at, and as COVID started, it was going to be at X price. But after right. about a month of cleaning it out, getting it staged, get, get, getting the uh, photos done by a professional, and you know, a month, month and a half went by, we thought based on activity, we'd throw it out there for literally 20% more. And that being said, in less than a week, we had three offers that were all above the price. That's amazing. So, you know, it is, it is going up. I just can't say, you know, what, uh, what amount yet. What do you think the future is? Is this going to peter out when there's a vaccine, or do you think it's going to sustain and become, well, become I, a lifestyle Well, I think, change? I believe for the foreseeable future, it's going to go. It's, it's still going to go. Obviously, the month of August in a normal world, whatever the heck that is, um, would, would be a, a downtick just because folks starting to set their sights for the school starting or their, uh, that they're a week or two off that they're going to take and all that. But I think the, for the foreseeable future, um, this is going to be, you know, a... Uh, you know, a good run as far as buyers. Uh, you know, there's three basic needs in the world, as you know, food, yes. clothing, and shelter. The clothing aspect is out the window because folks aren't <laughs> going to work. Uh, the food is always on, on the plate, so to speak, but it's the shelter where people are deciding to completely change things up. And I'm seeing people come from Oregon uh, who make an offer where their agent walked around and zoomed the house. Yep. Uh, I've seen p- people coming up from Florida, not because Florida is so horrible. They're coming up because they want to be close to their kids now. They had yep. a wake-up call or, of sorts. So, yes, the, the vast majority are coming from the New York area. But that being said, there's folks all over who are shifting gears in a large way. It's great talking to you, Todd, and, and, and thank you for being on Homepage Radio. Thank you very it's much. It's always a pleasure, Joe, and I appreciate the time. Absolutely. Now, when we come back, we're going to be talking to Margaret Muir, who has got an amazing practice um, of selling homes and has for years and has a direct personal experience in, in how this is working out. So on Homepage Radio, we will welcome Margaret Muir to the airwaves. Hi, Margaret. This, this is Homepage Radio, and I'm with Margaret Muir, and it was a residential waterfront 
property expert, and she's in the Sotheby's affiliate offices in in the state. Uh, helped, uh, sorry, in Madison, and helped create that 15 years ago. And she's spent 30 years selling really interesting Connecticut shoreline properties. And Margaret, this is a yes. different time. We've just talked to two, two people that have been doing it for their entire adult lives, and they all agree it's highly active and highly unknown exactly what's going to happen. Tell us about your initial five months of COVID and how it started and where it ended up. Well, I'm happy to do that, but let me tell you, just to bring a little more color to this conversation, I am, as we speak, in my car (laughs) uh, with buyers from Westchester in the car behind me on a tour. There you go. And we would all be in the same car were it not for COVID. Yes. And they are a perfect profile to discuss in a moment as they search for something here on the water. Yeah. But just to jump back for a moment, I would say that, uh, you know, nothing really... I, I would say at the end of 2019, I would lay my head on the pillow at night and say, what in the world will help this Connecticut real estate market? <laughs> Connecticut, Connecticut in so much difficulty, mm. uh, and, you know, 49th on the list of most desirable places to move to, more people leaving than coming in. Right. Uh, business is closing. You know, I was a very concerned individual, uh, having grown up in Connecticut and feeling, knowing how beautiful and wonderful it is to ever have to make an excuse for Connecticut or to have to think of ways to draw people in seems so strange to me. But we've, we've ha- had a difficult market, for sure. Yeah. And the answer to what would it take was not a new political party in charge or not, you know, it, it turned out to be a pandemic. Yeah. And uh, that was not on my list of possible solutions. <laughs> so it was surprising to me. Um, I have, my uncle died a hundred years ago, February, mm. uh, in the third wave of that pandemic. Wow. So pandemic to me, although I never knew him, of course, uh, was a real thing, you know, right. uh, in within sort of my DNA. And so I took it very seriously. I was very concerned and I was happy emotionally just to be called out and back to work, say in April, just to have something to do to keep my mind off, you know, the sad, uh, the sadness. And uh, we are seeing an enormous influx of people here, uh, discovering many of them for the first time how beautiful the Connecticut shore is. That makes it a pleasure to show. Mm. But as earlier guests have said, these showing property is not the same as it used to be. Right. So, so you know, there's, a, there's a clear and obvious, almost now cliche trend of people living in cities coming to bedroom communities. But do you see other trends, other, I would say, almost human trends? In, you mentioned that they're seeing the beauty of Connecticut for the first time. Do you think people are seeing the world differently for the first time, and that's being reflected in who's looking for homes? I do. Um, gone are the complaints about kids graduating from college and not being able to find jobs mm. and move out of the house. People have um, realized that those close personal relationships are extremely valuable now. They're not able to travel. They're not able to mm. uh, get together with close friends even that they that would, would have been their pattern to do. And, um, you know, I think that finding properties that will house and shelter not only yourself, but maybe grown children, grandchildren, um, you know, some a parent or right. an in-law, it's become uh, front and center for a lot of these buyers. There's an interesting irony that is hard to, for me to pin down, because I think it is in the middle of things, but I think of you as being one of the great, um, I would say, framers of what a second home is or what a vacation home is, what a beautiful place to be as the, the B side of an A life that you'd be making money and 
going to school and having a family one place, and then you would be able to go and be part of another place as essentially a break. And am I wrong in thinking that that break may be coming the A side of people's lives, that, that where they live will be the place which is more remote, and the B side, the less occupied, less intense side, might be visiting the density and intensity of, of, uh, of a compressed culture? Yes, it's exactly what we're seeing happen. People are examining, can I take my getaway house, the house that I walk into and my blood pressure drops, I look at the water or I hear the water, I, you know, can I take that uh, getaway, peaceful um, escape property and make it into more so that it will serve me in a bigger way Mm. and so I can reduce my footprint, Mm. you know, elsewhere? People are learning that they can work remotely, that the boss will accept it, that productivity doesn't have to have dropped off, that the company is reworking everything to accommodate that. And I don't think people think, most people think they're going back to an urban setting with, you know, full-time in an office in a high-rise building anytime soon. And, you know, everything is being accommodated. The, The other thing, so people are taking these, escape properties, these wonderful vacation homes, second or third home, examining can they make them into something more for greater use. If Mm. they can't, they're stepping out of them into an upsize in that same area with that same feel if they can get it. And the other thing I'm seeing, though, I think that I find is very interesting, and I think our other agents earlier in the program would agree, there was never any selling of Madison or Guilford or any of these mm. wonderful shoreline towns required. Buyers would show up. Their grandmother had a house there when they were young. Their college roommates owned a property there. They knew about it. It was on their radar. With this circumstance, people are coming in. They don't know these towns, and they're not devoted to a specific town. They may not be putting kids in the school system they're not wowed by the fact that we have a double art cinema because no one's going to the movies. <laughs> the, the restaurants aren't playing the role they were, our world-class bookstore, anything that involves you know, engaging with others. You can have Amazon bring everything to your door. And if you just want to pull the shade down and be safe and productive and connected virtually, uh, it doesn't matter what town it is. Right. They're, they're, and that's why I think perhaps some of these prices aren't being driven up quite so dramatically so that's immediately. Because yeah. people are not, they don't have the narrowed search they otherwise might have had pre-COVID. Well, that insight alone almost makes the whole show worth it for many people in that it becomes, it comes back to the individual home being part of a universal truth, which is really what in buildings, homes are the universal building that is exquisitely personal. So thank you for this time, Margaret. This is a really interesting uh, interlude, and I will will welcome you back on the show later. So thank Thank you very much for joining us today on Homepage Radio. My pleasure. So when we come back, we're going to be talking to another amazing real estate professional that's been around for a very long time in in the Connecticut market from the western part of the state. And when we do, we'll be talking about the future, too. So this is Duo Dickinson on homepage radio, WPKN 89.5 FM on your dial. Please do look at the website, and please do look at the homepage podcasts that are there. When we come back, Tom Gorin.
Welcome back to Homepage Radio. My name is Duo Dickinson. I'm an architect, and I've been working with homes for the last 40 years and living in one for 65 years, like everybody else on the planet. And Homepage Radio this week is really this month, rather. We're the fourth Thursday of every month. We are dealing with real estate and the home now. We're dealing with the fact that this is a very different brief new moment in time after a series of extreme booms and busts throughout all of Connecticut and Long Island where things were were moving back and forth at a at a crazy pace often boom and bust we've had three real estate professionals that have said that there is enormous interest enormous focus more sales more interest but not necessarily that bizarre extreme exuberant price freak out that accompanied all of these and what's very interesting is that NPR basically last week basically posited the case that that coronavirus might very well resuscitate the suburban housing market. And they joined the Wall Street Journal in that and other people basically saying that what Connecticut has been in the 20th and early 21st century is maybe where more of the country will be moving to because it involves the singularities of freestanding homes and not the dangers of high-density living. And a person that knows more about that than almost anybody I know is Tom Gorin. In, in 1973, Tom became a full-time realtor, and he joined a, a venerable firm in, in Greenwich, then owned it and then sold it and was declared a, the 2005 Realtor of the Year in Greenwich, and he was also inducted in their Hall of Fame in 2010. So, Tom Gorn, it's great to have you on Homepage Radio. Hi, Duo. How you doing? Well, it's great. Tell us how you, down there in Greenwich, Connecticut, tell us how you um, fared in that five-month weirdness that we all experienced and how your business fared. Well, that was pretty interesting. Um, <laughs> um, a lot changed in five months. Um, the, the, the shock of the of the first couple of weeks, no one knew quite what to do, um, and everything went on hold. Um, I love the fact that we were considered essential businesses duo. Yes, um, <laughs> we're right up there with nurses and surgeons, and uh, but housing is important, and people were coming out of New York like a Oklahoma land rush, um, mm. trying to find something to live in. Uh, that was safe for their children, mostly. Um, Interesting. It came out of apartment buildings that had elevators, which you could only have one person at a time in. How do you get the family to mm. anywhere, get anything done? And uh, we, we heard lots and lots about that. Uh, it was um, it stayed like that for a while, so we really couldn't get in houses. And then as the spring moved on, we had no spring market. You've always heard of a spring market. Interesting. Like that. It starts around Martin Luther King Day. And, and goes until April and that just didn't happen uh, we couldn't get in the houses they wouldn't let us in if they had children they didn't want us in the house so everybody became videographers and they took pictures and they took videos and, and it had to be done that way and so when people came out they really didn't get a big choice so they had to make a, a bid in a hurry because they couldn't get in all the houses they would want to and that made, made the prices spike and all these deals that you hear about having multiple offers in a day or two was because they were able to maybe get in it or maybe the video was okay and they said this is fine of course everybody thought this was all going to be over in a couple of months and right uh, and that hasn't that hasn't quite worked out that way no so <laughs> so it, it uh, as we get up up to today now that you can get in the people are more comfortable then you can get in and out in the old days, if you wanted to go see eight or nine houses because you were going to move your family out here, um, in, the, in the spring, you could only get in maybe two. Right. And now you can get in all nine. Wow. And okay. You see, and, and, and that then makes everybody chin stroke and worry about these houses, and it slows the process down. So we've gotten out of that that turmoil that we had in the early part. And the, and the now, fear I've had been reading, and you would know more than anyone I know, is there, do you think, a shortage of houses for sale? No. We have lots of houses. There's plenty of housing stock in Greenwich, anyway, for sure. Yes, there is. There is. and uh, uh, But they're still interested in rentals because they're not convinced they're going to be here Interesting. for that long. And then they don't want to be stuck with a house that they have to sell that they may have bought as a 
fall back, you know. So it's it's interesting that way. They're still looking for rentals. They've upgraded what they're looking for. They want a pool. They want waterfront. They all want pools. Everybody from Manhattan wants a pool. And and, uh, and we just don't have that many pools. But uh, part of the market that had been sleepy for years and years picked up, and that's the interesting part, I think. Um, it's it, the backcountry Greenwich, is uh, um, which is loosely and everything above the Merritt Parkway. Right. Um, yeah, and, and it's a four-acre minimum zone for most of that because there's no town water, no town sewer, and right. that sort of thing. So it's, it's sparsely, and uh, we couldn't give those things away since the 1980s. Actually, um, going back to the gasoline crisis of the 70s. Yeah. And nobody wanted to live out there because they didn't want to spend all their time driving back and forth and at one point not having um, any gas. So anyway, those places are now popular as can be. And uh, Very So we've weeded out a bunch of those, which is terrific. And some people rented them first and bought their rental that they were in because they decided this, this is pretty neat. Um, we're so New York driven here that we everything is, revolves around the, the, the railroad stations and the the eight highway entrances we have in 95 and Merritt. Right. And, and to get in and out of New York. And now if, if you're only going to be occasionally in New York, if at all, I'll, I'll take four acres in a pool. <laughs> and it's cheaper, it's cheaper than the house that was walking distance to the train. <laughs> so it's turned the market on its, on its ear. Um, no, no, I'm going to ask you a kind of an existential is. question because what you just yeah. said, I was thinking about this um, I thought about this three months ago on another radio show we did, where really the last 30 years where technology has essentially allowed us to uh, disconnect with urban centers functionally yes. in terms of the way we work, communicate, all of it, uh, with the Internet, now has seemingly abetted a greater change than we could have ever imagined because of COVID. Do you think that when there is a vaccine, when there is a, you know, a quote-unquote return to normalcy, which probably will right. never be, but return to more normal, yeah. do you think that the incredible facility that I know my own wife has now with using the Internet that she did not have before, do you think that the sort of almost indoctrination or patterning that we have with Zoom calls and, and buying from Amazon, do you think this will permanently skew places like like those northern Greenwich homes? Well, it certainly puts them back in touch, and they don't have to worry about driving a half-hour round trip to go buy right. a sweater. And they just go to the computer, and and Amazon will get it to them before they could have gotten downtown. <laughs> and, and so, I, I, it, it, you know, the the changes that are coming, you know, particularly with the educating the kids. Um, and repercussions of that, we have no idea. And, and uh, right. but I don't see people rushing back into Brooklyn because it's fun. Right. You know, it's it's. And uh, I have a couple of houses under contract that one languished for six or eight months, and then by, as we got halfway through the the COVID, all of a sudden we had endless showings. And huh. uh, and and and. Uh, these two houses, which in fact are on the same street, and they're 1930s houses, old stone ones, nice houses right. in Riverside, um, are uh, um, going to people. One couple isn't married yet, or had to put off the wedding because of COVID, and the other one have a, a one-year-old and a three-year-old, and that's who's moving in. It's all New York license plates. So, so it was. It's been brought up by several people that that they find that. People with children have a special impetus, a desire to get out of the urban setting. Do you find that that's the case where you are in Greenwich? And you had just brought up a fascinating thing, which is that education is exquisitely changed forever in terms of the yep. way it's going to be delivered. Forever. And, and Greenwich is home not only to public schools, but to private schools. Do you see that evolving in terms of the people coming to be to have a place for their kids, do the school systems matter as much as they have in the past? I think they still matter because they they kind of take it for granted. Greenwich has a lot of PR on that. Um, people expect it to be there and expect good schools. And uh, and they get them in the public and the private schools are, are tremendous. 
but as far as I know, it's still the old 70-30 relation. 70% go to public school and 30% go to private school. And it was right. like that when I was in high school. And that was right. a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, I, I think where you are is is very different from where I am. I mean, you're down in the, in the western end of, of the state where I am, and I know you have a home out this way. That's uh, right. Towards the middle of the state, there isn't quite this New York focus. There isn't, it, it basically, it's almost like you're in a small town. What is fascinating to listen to the real estate agents and, and brokers that I've talked to before you was the fact that there was this influx of people from New York and also from Oregon and other places. Here, you're dealing with people that used to look to New York as a place they would go. Now, New York is looking to Greenwich and Fairfield County as a place they would be going to. Do you think that that, that idea, forgetting about whether density has a future and cities have a future, do you think that relatively small number of people, because you know, New York is 8 million and, and, and Connecticut as a whole state is, what, 3 million, do you think that that number of people will permanently change Greenwich where you've lived your entire life? Hmm. Um, I bet it doesn't. Interesting. Um, it, it's uh, uh, a lot of these. A lot of these are uh, people's second homes they have in Greenwich, and they're mm-hmm. moving into them full time. And, uh, and our other subbies offices report that it's booming in all over the place. I mean, it's booming in, in the Berkshires. It's booming in Palm Beach. People are are buying second homes and moving into them. Well, the joys of live radio struck again where the telephone system ended and my guest left and I left and now I'm back. It's basically, I'm back to end homepage radio for the month of August. In four weeks, we'll be back at the fourth Thursday of September to grapple with the topics of home, the most universal of all human realities, and also perhaps the largest completely idiosyncratic reality of almost everybody you know. And although this show dealt with freestanding homes that are owned, which is really a minority of human beings in Connecticut and really anywhere, that symbolic reality of those single freestanding homes on independent lots, it really embodies who humans are in terms of how we view where we live, our place that now has come to be our refuge in the time of pandemic. Thank you very much for being on Homepage Radio, and do visit WPKN 89.5 FM, both their website, their podcasts, but also just listen to the great music. Thank you for joining Homepage Radio.